Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, the MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is a man, well, let's just say he is not the destroyer. Instead, call him the lover with soul power. Here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. I mean. So for this episode, we have a special guest who has co-written some huge pop songs for other artists, but he's also doing music on his own terms as well. His most recent record is called Dropout, includes the songs that you may have heard on Spotify as singles, Cuckoo, Drain Me, and Animal Noise, among others. Please welcome to the podcast, Danny Parker. Hey there. Happy to be here. So, so should I... I guess I should ask you, do you want me to address you as Danny or model child? How, how do you want me to address you? Uh, Danny's fine. Okay. I, I was just going to yeah, say, or, or maybe we need to abbreviate it to MC because I say I'm the MC in my yeah. outro, but, uh, or intro, but I'll relinquish the, the title for this episode if you want to. Oh, that's cute. You can call me MC. All right. All <laughs> right. We could do that. All right. <laughs> All right, so premise of our podcast is fairly simple. We talk about music, but as I do at the beginning of each episode, I ask the all-important question. I'm going to start with Wayne. Wayne, what T-shirt are you wearing? I am wearing a uh, vintage MTV logo. It's got like the checkerboard M and the spray-painted TV. Excellent, excellent. So how about you, Danny? What what, what T-shirt are you wearing? I'm wearing a uh, Wawa T-shirt. Okay. <laughs> it's not it's not necessarily music, but it I, I feel like it inspired me growing up. I was greatly inspired by a convenience store slash gas station when I was a kid. I'm just kidding. But yeah, I'm wearing a Wawa t shirt. <laughs> I've got I've got a Wawa just up the street from from us that they they started infiltrating Florida about uh, I don't know four or five years ago and uh, I'm assuming oh, that wow. uh, you have had um, a meatball sandwich there or, or or two. Yeah, I mean I uh, so I'm from Virginia originally and um, whenever I would like drive north to to my grandparents in the Philly area we would like always go to a Wawa. So I'm sure I've definitely had one of those meatball subs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I guess, I, I guess they're doing well if they've expanded down way down to Florida. Yeah. They're, um they're kind of taking over down here. I, I'm assuming Wawa is now in Virginia too, though, aren't they? Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. But so you, they're, they're you, killing it right now. But you've been in in California for a number of years, though. So that's there. There's no Wawa's in Cali. No Wawa's in Cali. Yeah. Nope. Unfortunately, I can't get that meatball sub. <laughs> stuck, stuck at uh, Subway. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, my T-shirt. I'm wearing one of my social distortion T-shirts. Um, I don't know how that fits oh, into. Yeah. Uh, to, to Danny or fits into of Montreal, but that's uh, that's what I'm wearing today. So there we go. It's a good shirt. It is a good shirt. Yeah. What what were some of their big songs or like more more popular songs? Because I remember listening to them in high school. Uh, Ring of Fire, Ball and Chain. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah. Story of my life. Story of my life is probably their biggest one. That's not a Johnny Cash cover. Um, I was wrong. Is a is a jam. Uh, I would say that that Sick. bad luck, bad luck got some some good airplay back in the early '90s as well. Yeah, that that inspires me to to go back and revisit. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Good well, um, I mentioned that you co-wrote some big songs in the intro. I know Stitches because I have teenagers, and I know Chains because my wife likes to listen to the pop station. But um, I was digging through your your production credits and writing credits, and so we're big Mad Nathanson fans here on the podcast. And oh, I saw that totally. you. Oh, nice! I saw that you co-wrote some songs with Matt. Yeah. Yeah, we um, we met probably, God, I don't even understand time anymore. Maybe like four <laughs> years ago, three three years ago um, in Venice where I used to live. And yeah, he came by the studio and we kind of wrote and it was more so just, just like a hang to get to know each other. But we wrote some stuff. And then just over the years, we've, you know, he lives in uh san francisco and whenever he's down in la we'll get together and just hang and right i i yeah he's he's the best we we love him love that dude <laughs> yeah 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 how, how did you guys discover his music so i'm i'm i go way back with matt's music so i actually saw him in it was either 94 95 before he broke, he had a friend that was going to the same university that I was. And I saw him at just a coffee shop. And so I've been following him ever since. And um, so we've had him on, on the podcast twice and I'm uh, working to get him in the schedule again to do another episode. So he's, he's one of our favorite guys as well. Absolutely. Oh, that's great. Do you, do you remember what records he talked about? Uh, well, oh, yeah. we we did Actung Baby. That was uh, that that's one of our favorite records of all time. And then we did mm-hmm. an episode just of favorite lyrics. So he he busted. Oh, that's fun. He busted out. Let's see. Uh, let me see if I can remember. So he busted out uh, Phoebe Bridger's song, Kanye, Mountain Goats. Um, who am Pogues. I missing? The Pogues. That's right. Um, I'm missing Hi. one. Yeah. So it's it's fun. Like I said, it's one of our it's one of our favorite guests on, on, on the podcast. So that's great. That makes me happy. Yeah, Matt is the best. He's he's such a great guy and so talented. Yeah. So I guess maybe um, enough about the writing with other people. Let's talk about your record. And what led you to this point? So I read, I read through your bio. Talked about you making the bold uh, movement to LA to embark on a career in music, and you 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 mentioned that you were in Virginia. So what what kind of led you? What were the steps to you just finally saying enough of the East Coast? Um, I'm I'm doing this. I'm doing the music thing. Yeah. Um. One of my best friends. Um this writer uh pop writer amar malik um we grew up together in virginia played in a ska band together played in like a bunch of 
different projects growing up and he got into writing songs for other people um for other artists and then i was out of school and um we started co-writing together and sending ideas to different producers and he had done a trip out to la um for like a month just hanging with different producers, writers. He was super fresh to the co-writing scene as well. And yeah, it was just sort of like the epicenter of the scene. And I I kind of always thought I would move to New York. Um, I never really had any intention of moving to LA before he was like, yeah, if, if we want to do this writing thing, that's where we need to go. So he was going out and then a few of my friends like <clears throat> jumped on board and I was like, F it, like, I'm, let's do it. So moved out to uh, Venice, which was, you know, a pretty big change from Northern Virginia. Um, yeah. And we all yeah. lived in, yeah, uh, we all lived in a house together Um where we had a studio and then that's kind of how it all started. That was eight years ago. Wow. So what was the first big break that you got um, with, with doing this? Cause I'm, you know, I mentioned a couple of your, your big songs, but what was that? What was that first break that you got that, that kind of started the trajectory of you getting hooked up with, with other songwriters? The first break was a song called heart to heart with James Blunt, um, which ended up being, um, being a single. And then, so that kind of, you know, gave me more credibility, which led to bigger sessions. And yeah, it's funny how that, just how it works. It's like you get a few songs under your belt and then your name kind of starts getting around more. And then you get in bigger rooms with bigger writers and bigger artists and, it hopefully um, starts snowballing in that direction. So, yeah, that was the first one. Why is James not more popular in the U.S.? Like he has a little bit of a, a following there in the U.K., but I feel like he he had the one song. What were were people just so sick of the one song that they just stopped paying attention to him? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like that song was so huge. Big. Um, was you're beautiful? Yep. Is that yep. what it was yep. called? Um, and. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's still he's still huge in Europe um, and other parts of the world, but not as much in the U.S. So I don't really know. But he's um, super talented dude. And um, we still write together uh, to this day and um, we become 
friends. So it's kind of, kind of cool to have that be my first cut and still yeah. have a relationship with him. So I'm assuming that with, with having these uh, really big songs that, um, that it's provided you the opportunity to, 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 to do your own thing. I mean, I'm looking at, um, stitches and dude, it's got over a billion listens on Spotify. Like, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's pretty wild. Yeah. It's still, it's still all like kind of surreal to me, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, just being in, um, for example, being in Florida when I was visiting my grandfather like a couple years ago, we were just at this restaurant and Stitches came on. And then later, um, this other Sean Mendes song called Mercy came on. Yeah. And um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to wrap, wrap your head around it. Um, I think at the time, it when it was all kind of happening like the hugeness of that song i didn't really realize how big of a moment it was um uh but yeah i mean i'm i'm super grateful to to have been a part of that song and it it definitely like changed my life and um yeah it's a lot a lot easier to be able to um focus on model child stuff when i you know still have a career as a songwriter which i'm I'm still very much involved in and love doing so yeah yeah and i guess i should say so mercy is no slouch either it's got 810 million listens on spotify so that's (laughs) yeah yeah that's not bad All right. Yeah, well, it's cool. Um, yeah. So uh, enough of uh, talking about other people's music. Let's talk. Let's talk or uh, stuff that they've sang. Let's talk about the ones that you've sung. So, um, uh, sure. I lis- I listened to your your record uh, over the last uh, couple weeks. I listened again this morning, at prepping for this. And dude, I I love the record. It's great. Oh, thanks so much. I I appreciate that. So I got I got a couple questions on on some of the tracks. So um the song Animal Noise is mm-hmm. are there are those hand claps on that or is that just drums? Uh those are hand claps okay. in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. I didn't I didn't see yeah. hand claps as part of the credit, so um so I had to I had to <laughs> ask. Damn it, I should have yeah, I need those <laughs> hand clap creds. That's right, that's right. You know? Downtown. It's that animal noise. We're the sea boys. It's the free girls. 
it's oh, a okay. rocking tune, but one that you can you can also dance to. I mean, it's not unlike a song from a band called um, of Montreal, which we're going to talk about here in a couple of minutes. Yeah, I can I can definitely see some parallels there. It um, I would say Animal Noise. It's definitely like the crowd favorite at live shows. Yeah, it it just has that that sort of energy that lends itself to being in a room full of a bunch of sweaty people right. <laughs> and making them sweatier. Right. Exactly. So, w- what is your thought process as far as do I do I put this song on my record or is this one that I'm going to share with with somebody? There, let's see, I mean, I. Whenever I'm writing for Model Child, I'm just kind of writing for Model Child. I, I don't really know what the mind switch is. I guess it comes from a more personal place. I think all the songs on Dropout, I don't really think any of them would work for another artist. Um, I, I guess also, like, you know, they have sort of a grungy alternative punk yeah. slant and there aren't many current artists that would do a song like that i guess they're a little quote-unquote edgier um than a lot of the stuff that's on top 40 right but i i don't really know necessarily what it is like i mean if if i'm in the room with another artist um First and foremost, I want to try to serve their vision mm-hmm. um, if if they have one that day and sort of like bring out the best in their uh, artistic abilities and what makes them special in their own right as an artist um, and amplify that. So for me, when I'm like, I... I haven't really co-written any of the model child songs. I've just kind of written them myself and maybe, you know, there's something where I can fully go internal and not necessarily think like, Oh, like is the A&R at like Atlantic or Island, like would they have issue with this lyric or is this like not hooky enough for X, Y, Z? Um, so, yeah, so so it's it's not very hard to kind of distinguish between is this going to be for another artist or is this for me? Gotcha. Wayne, how about you? What uh, were there any songs that stood out for you on on Dropout? Oh, yeah. Uh, Cuckoo and Drain Me. Those are my favorite two by far. I, re- I really enjoyed the whole album. Cool. Those those are the two I stood out. Yeah, I saw the title Drain Me and I was like, oh, cool. He's doing a Nirvana cover. But it, <laughs> but but it wasn't a Nirvana song. But um, there's got to be a story behind "Drain Me." What's the story behind that? Oh man. Um, okay, so I believe the Nirvana song is "Drain You." Right. And so um, I'm sure there was definitely some kind of influence there, as far as just a starting point. Um. Yeah, I thought Drain Me was a cool title. So I, I worked off of that and then conceptually thought of like, you know, metaphorically what that means to me. Um, 
I actually wrote a few different hooks using a few different choruses using the word drain me and working it in. And then when, yeah, this, the, the one that, that made it to the record, that one, I was like, okay, this, this feels good. I, I definitely need to go off of this, but yeah, I don't know. I was, I was just sitting on my couch. Um, <laughs> very exciting. I was sitting on my, my couch <laughs> with my, <laughs> there's the craziest story I have for this song. Um, with like, uh, my acoustic guitar and, um, started with the chorus, wrote the chorus. And then, um, when I, I, I went to Big Bear with Pat Morrissey, who co-produced the album with me. And, um, I, I like finished the lyrics and the, the melody like there for the verses. And we sort of fleshed things out more and yeah. made it, um, an elect electric guitar centered drum heavy song it's cool Let's let's talk the song trend, and then we'll get to the record that you um, you chose. You've got some lines in it about wanting to have your fifteen minutes and not wanting to die anonymous, and I think a lot of people mm-hmm. have those uh, thoughts. Um, considering you're much younger than Wayne and 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 me, is that uh, is that how younger people feel and them wanting to be influencers or wanting to be YouTube or TikTok stars? I mean. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, there's definitely a generational gap. Um, mm-hmm. so, so is that what most young people are, are hoping not to die anonymous? They're, they're wanting to have some kind of 15 minutes of fame. Yeah. I mean, um, it, the song is definitely a commentary on that and kind of, you know, shining a flashlight on that idea. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's reflective of younger generations. I think it's also reflective of, you know, quote unquote, older generations. I don't know where the phrase 15 minutes of fame started, but whoever came up with it was, you know, interpreting, I guess, this need or this desire for people to be seen and be heard. and now then we have social media and access to potentially even and, and you know six billion people or how however many people there are on the planet. Everyone, you know, has something to say. Uh so 
yeah, it, it, um, I, I think you're right though. Like these, you know, younger generations are growing up with phones and a platform. So I think it's probably more ingrained to constant, like, Oh, let me like post the story of me drinking coffee and see how many likes I get. Right. Um, I think, I think there's, uh, maybe it's like seeking validation. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like I, I was kind of making fun of the idea, but the fact that I am, you know, like being an artist and putting myself out there, um, I think speaks to wanting to be seen, wanting to be heard. I, I, I'm not doing it to get famous or do whatever. I feel just compelled and I always have felt compelled to make music and make art like my entire life. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think, I think it is reflective of Gen Zers, um, millennials. Maybe, maybe Wayne, we have to start looking at our own motivations for having a podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, we'll yeah. save that. We'll save that for the therapist. Um, <laughs> totally. <laughs> so, anyways, so I'm I'm hoping listeners of the podcast will check out the 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 record because it definitely does take you on a journey. Um, you definitely know how to write a song, and uh, so yeah. Uh, definitely definitely go check check out drop out all right so danny why don't you tell us what record you chose to revisit for this episode um i chose of montreal's record hissing fauna are you the destroyer so were there any other records that you thought about choosing or was that was that one of those nope this is the record that we're going to talk about i mean there there are plenty of records i could have chosen but this was kind of the first thought and I was like, I'll, I'll just go off of my gut and went with this one. Um, some, some bio info on hissing fauna. Are you the destroyer? Which, Oh my gosh, what a great title for a record. Right. Um, right. Uh, eighth record. I guess they are considered an American band, I guess with a name of Montreal, you would think they're Canadian. Um, yeah, no, the most prominent person in the band, of course, is Kevin Barnes, who do you really call of Montreal now? I mean, I watched the documentary. It's pretty much Kevin and then just a cast of characters now. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah. He, he's kind of the focal point. So when this record was made though, he pretty much had a band that they had put out a number of records together, but I think this was like the final album with all of those prominent players. Is that again, I'm, I'm basing everything um, off of the, the, the documentary that I, that I watched. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, from my, my understanding of it is he wrote everything and then kind of presented it to the band and was like this is the record this is what you guys are going to play this is the synth part you're going to play this is the bass part etc cetera, etc cetera. 
Um, and so, so Kevin Barnes, you know, was the visionary was the writer creator of the entire record. Right. And there are some credits in the, for, for the record, the credits also include Georgie fruit, which is the rock alter ego of Barnes. And from what I gathered from all the things that I read was he viewed this record as kind of his um, metamorphosing into this Georgie fruit character. I guess you, the Wayne, I, I would say the best um, comparison would be for our generation of Bowie and Bowie's different incarnations. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So. Yeah. Thin white Duke, Ziggy Stardust. Yeah, I, I, I definitely would say that. Danny, are you a Bowie fan at all? Huge Bowie fan. Yeah. Right. Excellent. All right. Um, you just made yeah. Wayne's Day right there. Yeah, we can continue now. Nice. Yeah, I've been, um, I've kind of had low on repeat recently. There you go. Oh, nice. Yeah. And like the the Berlin kind of era. Which is the best era, in my opinion. I don't know, Wayne, you, you might disagree with me. I love the Ziggy Stardust era. Yeah. That, that stuff from. Yeah. Starting with Hunky Dory and stuff like that. Glad insane. Yeah, I mean. I um like I think that's a a great read. Kevin Barnes has done of Montreal has done so many different styles and I think he's sort of unabashedly and like, okay, I'm gonna write like a Brit pop album or I'm gonna write a funk album or I'm gonna do you know, a Beatles like sixties folk and you know he i i think he kind of goes off of his gut and isn't thinking too much about his audience or you know how are they going to feel if i make something completely different than the record before and um which which you know he's an artist in the truest sense where he just follows his intuition and maybe having an alter ego like Georgie fruit allows him to step into the shoes of maybe a a heightened version of himself. Yeah. um, And take on a character um, to, to sing particular songs or a particular album yeah and and based off of the the documentary so the live performances are definitely like art performances it's not just you're not just going to get some guys coming up to the the their microphones and singing and playing their instruments i mean it's it seemed like it was a a little bit of a spectacle like they wanted to do performance art with the music and, you know, having some, some visually stunning things to go along with it. So have you, have you seen them in concert? I have many times. So the first time I saw them was at a club in Fairfax, Virginia, um, which is maybe 20 minutes uh, out away from the home I grew up in. 
Okay. Um, I had never heard of them. I was probably 17 and showed up. Uh, I think I had just smoked something <laughs> and, uh, uh, and I was just kind of blown away. I mean, they were in these, you know, Kevin Barnes was in kind of like a draggy sort of outfit. Um, there were costume changes, theatrics. Um, it all seemed sort of choreographed in this, this way that I hadn't really seen done before. Um, you know, a lot of times you go to shows and you get what you hear on the record and he seemed to have a vision for all of these songs and really create uh, an, uh, an experience for the audience and give you something special if you're going to go see an of Montreal show. So I'm wondering how he's faring during the pandemic when you don't have that opportunity to play live. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's really difficult for so many artists right now especially when, you know, with streaming, you don't make any money off of that. Um, really, radio is kind of the biggest place where I think artists make money, even though it's so hard to get on the radio. But so so as an, an indie artist, you really rely on touring. So I hope, hope yeah. he's doing okay. So with all with the billion streams of stitches, you've made what like twelve dollars? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe cut that in half. Maybe six dollars. <laughs> Perfect. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, let's yeah. um, let's let's go track by track. Um, oh, one other thing that I wanted to bring up on the the, the bio info. So, uh, this did fairly well. Um, even though they're considered an independent uh, band, an indie band, um, it did it did chart in the Billboard 200, number 72, which, you know, I mean, for, for an independent band, I guess that's not too shabby. Billboard used to have a top independent albums chart, and it was a number two hit. So, um, oh, wow. Definitely, they're definitely an indie darling. I I used to always get and I'm kicking myself and maybe I shouldn't even admit this but um I used to I used to um mix up them with TV on the radio and I know that they're completely <laughs> different bands and yeah. I don't know wh- I don't know why I did but um anyways yeah. All right, well let's dive into this. Let's start uh first song. Oh, actually, we need to talk about um what our scoring is is based on so it's based on number of songs on the record wayne how many songs on this record 12 which means our top song is going to get 12 points next favorite song 11 on down to lowest score of one so we're going to kick this off here we go this is suffer for fashion
What do you guys think of this as an opening track? Perfect. Yeah, this is I, this is I, the I way agree. to go. Yeah, I think it. Um, well, so you know that there's a sample of a a little girl going like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a baby. Yeah, yes. Um, yeah, and so that's his daughter. I I believe. Um, okay. I feel like I heard that. Some, yeah, I, I read that somewhere too. Yeah, and so that's sort of like a beginning, uh, you know, a new chapter. Um, and yeah, it really kicks it off um, at a high BPM, a lot of energy. It's like, here we are, off and running, off to the races. And how can you not like a song that uses the words vicissitudes? And emasculate in the same uh, in the same song. And emaciate. I thought those were as oh, a yeah. as a lyricist, those are great words. I mean, people, I mean, the ups and downs of your life, and it has their boxing his ears. So it's really creates that's a great way, that's a great turn of phrase. Um, that these that this these ups and downs of the of this, you know, this moodiness is 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 effective, is kicking his ass. Uh, there's just lots of and like say emasculate like to 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 really put this in perspective of how this because this is this first part of this record is is dealing with those those mood swings and that 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 chemical imbalance that that he that he gets you know cured through medication later and so I just thought it was it was some great writing and like I say this we did hot fuss by the killers and that had a, a, a synth heavy kind of new wave feel. This is as good as anything that soft cell or flock of seagulls or anybody did. This is very eighties dance new wave. Yeah. And it's big time. Awesome. Yeah. Big time. And I, I also like there's, um, I mean, he has this like meta moment of, he says, we've got to keep this little click clicking at one thirty BPM. Yes. It's not too slow. Which, and also, like, the alliteration of click clicking at is, like, I don't know. His lyrics are insane. And then I also love, uh, if, we're, if we got to burn out, let's do it together. Let's all melt down together. Um, which I thought was, like, dark, but also sweet. Um, and then he says, he mentions the number 11 in it which shows up at a different song, another song later in the record. Oh. Um, so he's sort of introducing, yeah, this number. Um, and I mean, like, the harmonies, like, on it together, he just has these, like, stacks. It's almost like, it, it feels like walking down a runway and giving a performance like strutting on a catwalk and yeah. you know suffer for fashion maybe he he was playing on that a little bit yeah it's an amazing yeah. song yeah i highlighted yeah. i highlighted those lyrics that you that you brought up the the click clicking at the 130 rpm yeah it's good it's great um all right let's oh. get let's get some scores wayne your score 10 and then danny um so I'm gonna I'm gonna preface my scoring with um, it. I I was very reluctant to to sort of score each <laughs> song in like an order, um, because I feel like the whole record is like it's like one long thought. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so I did it sort of random, but eight. Okay. We, we get it. Like it wouldn't be an episode if our guest didn't say, why did you make me do this scoring stuff? You, you heartless bastards. (laughs) So we, we, we get it. All right. This is my sixth. All right. Next song is sink the sane. And I should preface this for our listeners who aren't looking at the track listing. So that is spelled S-E-I-N-E. And is that a play on words? You know, there's another thing. Because it's capitalized, so it makes me think of the river in Paris. But when I Googled Seine, it's a fishing net that that floats on the top and weights on the bottom. So it, it stands up straight and then you... You wrap the ends around it and catch the fish, which I thought for what he's doing, like how he's trying to 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 tell this story about his mental state, I thought that would that made much more sense. But it's capitalized, so it, it's it's ter- you know it could be a play on words too. But if it was the fishnet thing, that would make so much sense. Yeah, and the play on words, same like S A N E. Um, like sink his sanity um i guess that's what you were getting at with the play on words yeah um and and then also like sinking water which i guess you know represents life like his life force maybe there's he's having it sounds like he's having some kind of like breakdown and like identity shift not understanding his life and maybe needing to sort of drop out, drop out of that sanity is where he's going to be able to like come out at the other end. Yeah. And, and I will say this, this is the shortest song on the record at a minute and four seconds. So it's really more of a transition to going back to you, what you were saying, Danny, of (laughs) this really being a concept record. Yeah. I I thought that this, that these next two songs actually are they're they're setting up and just kind of like embellishing the rest of the tracks that that make up this first half yeah it, it, it this one yeah. does have a very white album abbey road beatley feel to it and especially with the lyrics that are so like difficult to wrap your head around almost it's almost just like free form you know he just was writing these these very vivid, bizarre images to just kind of capture what's going on inside his head, just at that moment to set up songs that are coming up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a line like perfect diamonds that are glued to eyes of plastic crows. (laughs) (laughs) Like the trippiest, like weirdest image. Um, But yeah, it does. It, it does feel like this transition moment. And I don't think that's even the trippiest lines that we're going to talk about on this record. No. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's going to be a few more. All right, let's get scores on Sink the Sane. Danny? Four. Wayne? Six. All right, and this was my one. Um, 
not that I don't like it and don't think that it has place, but that leads us up. How to, dare you? I know. Yeah. <laughs> we're all going to be doing that. I'm looking at Wayne's one and I'm, we're going to be saying, how dare you as well? Um, yeah. All right. all right. Next song is Cato as a pun. Just want to shave your head, have a drink, and be left alone. Is that too much to ask? What What were your immediate thoughts, Wayne? You and I grew up. Um, Green Hornet, but uh, yeah, it's Cato, I think, is the way he says it in the song. And it feels like it almost felt like a character. It's like I feel like there's a lot of backstory that that you don't get, which you have. So you kind of have to make up on your own. But I I definitely uh, I love some because this one is musically it's moodier. Like that first song is super high energy and fun. And then the next one gets a little bit kind of weirder, but it's still on that upbeat side. And this one is, is moodier and darker. Uh, and it's, and like I say, I just love the line about, um, I won't know the difference if we're living in the novelist or the statistician. I thought that was a great way to contrast, mm. you know, this, the artist and the, and the, the dramatist, the creative, you know, yep. force and the logical, you know, a mathematician. I mean, there's nothing more straightforward and boring as math. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah and (laughs) yeah and like left brain right brain you know like that that sort of yeah dichotomy that you're talking about that's a good read so my first reaction was is he talking about oj's friend kato kalen and then i realized (laughs) that that that's a that's spelled differently. So he spells it with a K. So then I looked at, okay, what is he talking about? So there was somebody on song meetings, which I tried not to go to song meetings that often, but I did for this one. And they said, I immediately thought of Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, because in Julius Caesar's, uh, Cato was father of Portia, the wife of Brutus, who in the end of the play kills herself from depression and loneliness. And Portia killed herself by drinking fire or swallowing hot coals. So when the line of have a drink and be left alone, I immediately reference directly to that. So take, mm-hmm. take that for whatever that's worth. I mean, it is song meaning. So everybody's got an opinion and most of them are probably <laughs> not what the songwriter was intending. So, uh, the strobing light and the confusion. He's just really painting this picture of this mental state just so just so well. I love that last. The ending mm-hmm. is just great. Shave your head, have a drink, and be left alone. Is that too much to ask? So uh, good. That's great. And then there's that gong hit. You know, oh, like, yeah, shave your yeah. head, have a drink, and be left alone. Yeah, is that too much to ask? And boom, this big gong hit, which is so cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Cato was a Roman senator under Caesar, right. which was probably like, um, I mean, what Shakespeare based it off of, obviously. Yeah, it's cool. It all, all of it, it's just so dense. It's like, it's like a novel. 
yeah, yeah. There's so much going on. Yeah. All right. And I like I like the restraint in it as well, where there's there's like a sparseness to it. Um, but there there are also all these like interchanging sort of like polyphonic like stereo drums that kind of move in and out that that I thought was was really cool. Very cool. All right. Um this is my eleven. Wayne, your score? Uh, seven. And then Danny? Ten. All right. Um next next is um I'm gonna slaughter this. <laughs> Heim Heimdall's Gate like a Promethean curse. I do okay there? I I think that's yeah, that was as good as I would have done. I think so. All right. Same. I've yeah, I have no idea. So this was uh, a single that was released by the the record label, and um, there's also a music video uh, out there for that as well. I had to look up Heimsdale Gate, so it's the name of a street in Oslo, um, mm-hmm. which is in Norway. So Kevin married uh, uh, an artist musician from Norway and so he was spending some time there which a lot of this is um again I'm basing this off the documentary that I saw so he was a little bit conflicted with being a dad you you mentioned the 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 daughter at the beginning of of the the record so there is definitely all the conflict that you're 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 feeling in this is dealing with being a father um, probably dealing with some some of his own sexuality, dealing with um, you know trying to continue to be an artist. Um, yeah, there's just a lot. There's a lot going on on this one as well. Um, and then Promethean, I, I still don't know what that is. Prometheus gave fire to the humans against Zeus. Uh, there's that's a whole right. like that's so that cre- that's the creation of civilization is. I was, you know, discovering fire, but there was also this Promethean curse. I, I'd read something about after Prometheus gave fire to humans, Zeus, the the the, mytho- the Greek mythology, you know, is that he tied, he had him chained to a rock, and an eagle, which is like the symbol of Zeus, would come and eat his liver every day. Uh, and the liver to the Greeks was like the center of like where love came from, or something. And then overnight his liver would go back and the whole thing would happen again and i just thought that is fucking i don't know if that's what he's talking about or if he's just talking about the curse of becoming human and 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 humanity uh and you know the consciousness and of it all or because that is such i mean that is deep like if that's how you feel in your life that you know that's what your every day is like that is absolutely brutal and absolutely brilliant Oh yeah. That, I mean, that doesn't, I mean, for that to happen once is enough, but every day. <laughs> Brutal. Brutal. It's, yeah. I don't want to get my liver eaten every, every day. Every day. Yeah. Just for it to happen again. <laughs> no. Yeah. 
Who is oh, Nina? Who's um, Nina Twin in this? That's his wife. I had heard. I had read that that was his wife. Okay, which is a cool way too, like to, to call her Nina Twin to make you know, like you're like that's how close they are. That's their connection. I thought was it was interesting too. But just the plea, you know, the plea of uh, mood swing, mood shift, shift back to good again. Just the way he, the way yeah. he alliterates that, that that plea in his voice, like just begging. To be happy again. Yeah. And, and like the plea to um, like your chemical makeup. It's like, come on, chemicals, like, let's do this. There, there's a separation of consciousness and your body and sort of this like outside voice beckoning to your, I, I don't know, I guess your biology. To be like, can can you just like shift? You're like being completely outside of it and being powerless, and just having that begging plea. Is there there is something heartbreaking about that. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I think it's cool. Um, all the like the chord changes and and the the shifts in the chords when he's saying, "Come on, mood shift, shift back to good again." It the music and the lyrics kind of work in tandem um, with the the moving chords, which I thought was pretty interesting. Very cool. And then it's also like the song, it's very upbeat music-wise, but he's saying it's juxtaposed with this very like, you know, these really dark lyrics. Um, and so I, I feel like if, if these were, you know, like sad, ballad that would just be way too painful to listen <laughs> right you thank, know thank you for not being emo right yeah thanks kev <laughs> all right um let's get scores uh danny your score oh and wayne 11 this is my second favorite all right and this is my seven and next song is ronlandic edit land was um it's another norwegian town there you go opening line in the song is nihilist with good imaginations i had to look up a bunch of stuff on this so nihilism the definition is rejecting all religious and moral principles in the belief that life is meaningless i found a quote from kevin barnes talking about this line he says, it's a reference to the Dada, Dadaists. I was thinking about this other art group and how they are basically nihilists with good imaginations. I was wondering if I should be a part of that crew in my mind or look for something that's deeper and less empty emotionally speaking. Hmm. There's a lot of nihilism all over the record. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And Wayne, I saw the 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 
the line of we fell back to earth like gravity's bitch. Yeah, and once I the saw best. these lines, I figured this was going to score well for you. No, but I did highlight. I love that line. We, we fell to earth like gravity's bitches. <laughs> just like that's, Oh, ah, that's just awesome. It's, um, it's physics makes us all its bitches. Yeah. Yes. The line. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Um, which, which, yeah, like same, same thing. You're at, at the mercy of forces larger than ourselves. Um, yeah, super cool. It's a great line. Crazy vocal harmonies. Yeah. All yeah. over the song. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that, again, going with the concept record of, you know, the, the prior song where he's talking about, you know, come on chemicals, essentially, you know, please start working. I think that that feeds well into the last lines of this song where he's talking about, you know, you've got my back in the city. You've got my back. Cause I don't want to panic. So again, he's, he's, I feel like he's doing a little bit of a callback to the previous song of please chemicals start working. Cause I don't want to have a panic attack. Mm-hmm. There, there's also, um, you know, other, other voices coming in, like he's saying, I guess it would be nice. And then there's another voice that comes in saying you're trapped. And so there's this play of like conscious versus subconscious coming in. And, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. Like I, I can relate to that, um, in dealing with depression and, you know, maybe the lo- the larger part of you wanting to get better, but then there's like a questioning voice being like, Nope, you're not going to get out of this. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, scores, Wayne. I gave it an eight. I think what he does musically to, cause this one has a much more consistent kind of tempo through it. To, so he's asking all these questions of himself. I mean, whether he should, you know, look to religion. Um, he, he calls himself out at all the party people dancing for the indie star, but it, there's still this sense of, there's almost like this uh, moment of clarity. Like he's, he's going through all these things, but he's not freaking out. The music really kind of sets that up, but this was my eight. All right. And then Danny seven, and this is my nine. And um, I, th- yeah, here's another word that I'm probably going to slaughter a sentence of sorts in Kongsvinger. Did I, get, did I get right? Uh, yeah, not being Norwegian. I have, I have no I idea. Done. Yeah, uh, and yeah. it's an it's another town in Norway, and um, it's in the cool. part of the traditional region of Glomdal. This track high for me because it's very 80s new wave to me. I could Mm -hmm. hear New Order doing this song, especially the chorus parts. Yeah, there's Mm -hmm. such a big Mm -hmm. hook in the chorus. That's that's my favorite part. This is my favorite song, Um, and I love the the that reference to the to the family sticks together. Like his wife and his daughter are are he's are a big part of what he you know of of his 
you know, sanity, if you will. And, but the hook in the chorus is just so big. I just, I loved it. You, you brought up the lyric of this family sticks together. I've got highlighted the lyrics before it, where you turn the dial, I'll try and smile. We've eaten plastic weather. What, what in the world does that mm. mean? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. The turn the dial and I'll, try to smile almost uh i looked at it in two ways like you know change change the channel of the television or the or the uh the radio and i'll try to or even just the idea of turning a dial like on him to get his to turn his smile on Mm. so you're not going to tell me what plastic weather means you know what it's in norway i'm assuming it's snowing or frigidly cold or something i i would say probably something to do with the weather in norway yeah okay yeah yeah we're all we're all baffled kevin if you're <laughs> kevin if you're listening I'm to ba- this, yeah please please uh-huh. uh, please email us we want to know um all right well, there's there's Thank a you. um there's a yeah he there's like a rejection of religion and um down any old churches as a way of I think getting through a lot of his mental turmoil and um, I know he grew up I believe in a religious family or at least going to church and then that that is sort of I mean it's like going back to nihilism like Nietzsche talks about you know God being dead which isn't necessarily a good thing, but needing to find ourselves without this common belief in something greater than ourselves. But he seems to, you know, believe that that's where his freedom lies. Yeah. All right. Wayne, your score. This is a 12. This is my favorite song. All right. This is my 10. And then Danny. Six. All right. Next song is The Past is a Grotesque Animal. We've talked about the documentary. I guess I probably should have said um, the documentary is called "The Past Is a Grotesque Animal." Um, mm. So what what we haven't talked about is uh, Danny. You've got a song on your album called "The Past Is a Pretty Gun." Oh, boom, boom, boom! There we go. <laughs> That's like, yeah, I uh, maybe there's a correlation. <laughs> there, de- yeah, there definitely is. There definitely is. Though your song's only Thanks, two Kevin. and a half minutes long. <laughs> You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this one is almost 12 minutes long. So, um, yeah, there's the difference there. Yeah, mine's, mine's the, the playlist-friendly 2020 version. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
All right, somebody get get me started or get us started on on this, Wayne. Well, yeah, and I think this song is super important to the whole thing because you can hear a transformation happening musically. He really creates this this tension that because this one's dark. This has this dark feeling like something is is happening. You can you can hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, it 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 builds. It like it grows with starting with these um kind of growling distorted guitars and then that bass line comes in that they just groove on through the entire song and then the drums come in and going back to that stream of consciousness saying it does sound like he just kind of he's sitting down somewhere in norway like at a desk just writing whatever comes to his mind and it really I, I agree with you that it um it does sound like some kind of transformation is happening. Yeah. I I will say that this is my favorite song on the record and and the the biggest reason why is the one line of how can I explain I need you here and not here too. Like Yeah. My, mm. my my mm-hmm. my my comments are oh man i feel that way all the freaking time about all the people around me not that i yeah. don't don't want you around but the introvert in me is sometimes like just i you know i'll feed off of your energy and and you know i need you around for you know the 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 creature comforts and all that um and then sometimes i just i need you not to be here and it's hard to it's hard to explain to people having that mentality um and so this is really similar wayne i know we've talked about the smiths before on this on this podcast sometimes you just need to to have somebody else validate your feelings and this totally (laughs) validates my feelings yeah and i i love this because like I say, there's this transformation, but it's 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 there's violence. Like in the mousy girl screams violence, violence. Yeah. Um, she gets hysterical. But the line of "Do I have to scream in your face? I've been dodging lamps and vegetables. Throw it all in my face. I don't care." Like there's a there's a physical fight that's going on where there's some sort of you know mm-hmm. eruption, but also there's in you know there's an eternal internal struggle that's happening too that he's capturing in this this. And like I say, it did go long I, and. When I say it went too long, I, I just a little bit because I think it's so important. A lot of this, it had to be there. Some of that space that just leaves you just get your mind spinning about what's going on in this other person's mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I I found it interesting with with that the length of the song. Um, he talks about well, time with the the past. He says things like, um, the sun, the sun is out. It melts the snow that fell yesterday makes you wonder. Oh, I know. Um, and so it's like, okay, yesterday happened and it was a great day and things changed. And then back to that kind of nihilism thing where it's like, but like in the end, what's the point? Um, he says a line, even apocalypse is fleeting, which is so good. So good. So heavy. Um, and then it's, and it, it feels like a play on, you know, with the length of the song, 
he goes through this experience through this transformation and um it's like all of the lines just kind of glide by and you you they're they all end up in the past by by the end of the song um and so i think i i would imagine that the length of the song was intentional yeah um yeah oh yeah for that play on time absolutely and I have to mention one of my favorite line is somehow you've read Rover the Gestapo circling my heart. Like nope. that is, <laughs> that's not the only Nazi reference, but like you really create dark images. And uh, when you, when you, re, you know, recall Nazis or the KKK, like when we did the Ramones. So their idea that there's this Nazi secret police that's, you know, keeping my, you know, my heart protected kind of a thing. And you've, you've had a childhood game like red Rover. You, you, uh, I just, there was, I love that line. Yeah, you beat me to that line. So many, <laughs> so many great lines. Talks the story of the eye, which I've never read, but I've heard it's a very sexually explicit, like kind of wild sex book. And, you know, going back to his, I guess, struggles with his sexuality and coming into fatherhood. Um, I mean, a lot of, he has a lot of intense sexual stuff in all of his songs. Um, but I, I, I was like, oh, I should read Story of the Eye after I heard him talking about it. Interesting. <laughs> all right. Uh, I already told you this is my top score. Danny, your score? Um, oh, shoot. Maybe, let's see, 11. 11. All right. Wayne? Nine. All right. So next song is Bunny Ain't No Kind of Rider. To me, you're just some faggy girl And I need a lover with soul power And you ain't got no soul power Eva, I'm sorry, but you will never And um, Wayne, what do you got on this one? I will openly admit that the songs about the, you know, the confusion and the depression and the transformation are my favorite ones. So that that I think that he, because they have a consistency to them that I guess I'm more comfortable with. Everything from here, when when Georgie Fruit takes over, gets funky, which I like. That everything on on the on the last part of this album has has a lot of really like soul and funk to it, but it's it kind of it kind of jumps around and there's like inconsistencies and every one of them has something I really love and something that I'm not a huge fan of. Okay, and in this one, mm -hmm. uh, it was that that Eva part gets repeated too much like even a couple of times in a row. And so that, because ultimately this is, like I say, it's very funky and it's got, it opens with this uh, really funky beat and this distorted synth uh, riff kind of thing over the top of it. So I, I, I love it. It's like everything from here on out has things I really love and stuff that I'm not a big fan of. Well, maybe I was wrong with mm -hmm. the intro. I said you did have soul power, but maybe you don't. <laughs> <laughs> it comes and goes, I guess. Okay. Danny, what do you got on this song? Yeah. yeah, I mean, there, there's this sort of like bravado and confidence that he he has, which 
is a transition from the first half of the album where he's basically like, you know, talking about this person, Eva, and being like, sorry, like, we're not going to get together because um, I need a lover with soul power and you ain't got no soul power. Um, so there, there is a switch, which I, I, yeah, I think is the introduction of Georgie Fruit. He brings up, what is, is this the song where he, he like, I, I feel like it's towards the end of the song. He's talking about this, like, she, she leads him to the sculpture on the hill. That's where she queered me out forever. Looking at. But I think, again, it's this rejection of the church. Um, oh, Eve, so that makes he's, sense. He's not. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I didn't notice that. Um, Interesting. Yeah. To but there, all, there is all some the like sassiness. Yeah. There's sassiness where he's like, you wouldn't know what to do with me. Winky, winky. <laughs> all right. Should we get scores on Bunny? Wayne, what do you got? A four. And then Danny? Three. And this is my four as well. All right, next song is Fabergé Falls for Shuggy. Is it Shuggy or Shuggy? I think it's Shuggy. Okay. He only says it once, but I believe that's that's the way it sounded. zero ideas what this song is about like the lyrics yeah. are so foreign to me i anyone yeah, so abstract. yeah Cato and and fabergé i feel are like characters and shuggy that i want that i want to know more about uh and i didn't i didn't get the backstory on them but this one like i say this one's more of uh it's got this great funky superfly rhythm in the beginning and then it goes then it then it, it goes to something more that's more you know like the past is a grotesque animal. It kind of comes out of it, but it's never the same. There's like this falsetto that he sings in, in the first part. And when it has that kind of instrumental shift, and then he comes back to the kind of the funky uh, music, but he, his voice is much is deeper and or more natural. And I really like, I like that, that first part. I was, I was really digging. And like I say, he has all of these kind of, you know, really just, fun like say bravado like this this other character is much more confident in in who he is Mm. and he doesn't seem to have he doesn't have confusion about who he is or what he's about yeah yeah it reminds the all the the falsetto arts remind me of prince and the funky sexiness of it there are a lot of bass guitar harmonies which i think is cool you don't hear that too often where like a, a bass, get, you know, he'll have like two or three bass guitars playing chords together. Oh yeah. Um, I thought that was interesting. 
And then there's this kind of talky rapping part where he goes skeletal lamping, yep. sphere, false priest, which the the album after Hissing Fauna is skeletal lamping. And then maybe I think Control of Sphere, the Control of Sphere is another album. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Oh, he also mentions the number 11. Oh, this is the callback. Yep, we've arrived yeah. at number 11. Yeah, we arrived at number 11, so charged and ready for slavery. So I feel maybe it's like kind of some same-sex sexuality. I don't know. Interesting. All right. Yeah, skeletal lamping, I had to look that up because I was like, what does that even mean? Um, and so a quote from Kevin um, talking about the record skeletal lamping he said this record is my attempt to bring all of my puzzling contradicting disturb disturbing humorous fantasies ruminations and observations to the surface so that i can better dissect and understand their reason for being in my head and lamping is the name Mm. of a hunting technique of using a powerful beam to dazzle animals to the extent that they can be approached closely and collected inspected or shot wow Whoa. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. All right. Oh, boy. Yeah, there we go. Um, all right. Uh, Wayne, what was your score? And I just want to say, the second half, it was very difficult to score because, like I say, there's there's stuff I love in each song and then stuff I'm not as big a fan of. And so ranking it was very difficult. And I gave this a two, but I don't like, like listening to the song. It doesn't. I, I I enjoy it. Like every, I feel like there's some things that he does that I'm not as big a fan of, but there's some some of the stuff on here is just really great. Okay, and then Danny, two as well. And this is my three. Next song is Labyrinth Pomp. This is the last big word that I have to pronounce for any yeah. of these songs going forward. Um, I thought that this was interesting. So um, if there were any songs on this album that I think have a Prince influence, I think this is, this is it. Well, that, that guitar riff though is very fame, very David. I had a, I got a David Bowie, uh, a feel on this one. Okay. That, that little, that little guitar riff that, like from right out of fame and then i think david bowie was in the movie labyrinth so you tie it together like that too yeah yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely Mm -hmm. uh any idea what the ccaa booty patrol is (laughs) no i tried to look it up but there's there's uh a lot of california athletic stuff comes up so i don't i don't know i wanted to know because uh i just wanted to see some google images of their booty patrol yeah i i tried to look it up and there was a Again, going back to song meanings, there was somebody who who put, um, sometimes I get the feeling that Kevin is just messing with our minds for the fun of it. So so from song meanings, this person says, um, sometimes I get the feeling that Kevin is just messing with our minds for the fun of it, like he needs to keep things as unusual and mysterious as possible to keep himself interested. Still, it's a learning 
it's alluring. Anyways, what does feck stand for? Anyone? And then the person um, who responded to him, um, he called himself the booty patrol. And he's like, no idea. And we've never gotten an official word on what CCAA stands for either. So lots mm. of, lots of mystery on this particular song. Yeah. I, um, I mean, kind of hearkening back to what I was saying earlier, I feel like he, he wouldn't write a song to just kind of like mess with people. I feel like he's very intentional about what he's doing. Like there's a Georgie fruit reference. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, I, I like the line, uh, my strange urge to smash a window on every house on our block, which it's like, I, I feel like we all have felt that. We've all been there. <laughs> At least I have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah just kind of wreck uh wreak havoc on the neighborhood and then i felt like the end at the end of the song it kind of the tempo slows down and it reminded me of dark side of the moon absolutely Um, that's exactly what i wrote down the pink floyd end oh did you (laughs) yeah yeah it's cool yep all right um scores on labyrinth pomp uh this is my five wayne uh, three, I can say, I think was for the inconsistency. I love the David Bowie, like first two minutes and then it, it, it drops off and there's almost, he starts explaining himself. Uh, and then it, then the, the big Pink Floyd ending. But I did like the fact that the, the endorsement from the CCAA booty patrol was crisp. Like it's a crisp endorsement. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then Danny, your yeah. score. Fun. All right. Next song is she's a rejector. get us started on this song let's see i mean the energy of it it feels like it harkens back to um suffer for fashion in a like kind of boisterous sassy um catwalk uh i mean the line uh there's the girl oh no she's a rejector i must protect myself there's the girl that left me bitter want to pay some other girl to just walk up to her and hit her but i can't right it's like it's just i don't know i think there i like i like how there there's like a lot of humor in the song um and it's it's fun it's fun at shows to just kind of dance to this like sassy like kind of funny song yeah i i love this one all right so here are my notes for this so originally when i because i listened to these a couple times while i'm taking notes and the first time i i wrote this i said this is a fun song the second time that i was going through and writing notes i said is this a fun song because I'm looking at I'm looking at the lyrics and like the the tone of the song is super fun, catchy, danceable. But then you're looking at you. I mean, you brought up the the 
you know, wanting to pay another girl to punch her in the face. Um, yeah. So is this a fun song? I don't know. Uh, I, I think don't with know. The, the reference to the writing crop, I think it sounds fun, but uh, I think it was all, it was, I guess I couldn't, it didn't, it changed so much that I couldn't, yeah. it, I couldn't really, I could never attach myself to any, any one part of it. And then, and it, and it felt like it took too long to end, but I definitely feel like that's a setup for the last song. Uh, but it was, it was so busy. Like, I think it is fun. And I, like I had said before, everything on the second part of the, the second half has parts I love. I love that line about, you know, this girl broke his heart and he, to the point where he doesn't, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to hurt her, but he wouldn't mind if another girl took 20 yeah. bucks and went up and smacked her in the face. Right. Uh, so he, it, it does have, there's just parts of it that I absolutely love, but it, it, it musically, it kind of was jumping all over the place. And I, and I had to give something my lowest score. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. I think um, of Montreal in general, like all their, all his records are very dense. And I think of each song as, you know, like one song containing many songs, um, almost like these little like vignettes throughout a single song. Um, and so I think it takes a lot of listens to have your ear trained to like, oh, I'm expecting this next part and there's familiarity in it. So yeah, it's, I think it's kind of less of like a first listen sort of thing and kind of over time grows. Yeah. Yeah. What's your score on this, Danny? Nine. And this is my eight. And then we're going to wrap this up with last song, which is We Were Born the Mutants Again with Leafling. And I have no idea what that means. Yeah. Um, anyone? No. Okay. I do love the bass line in this one, though. Absolutely. Yeah. And I thought too. the drum track, too, is is strong. Like the way it starts, that musical, you know, that musical intro coming off of the of the long musical outro from the previous song. Uh, definitely. Definitely. I, I feel like this song's important. Like I say, he's 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 wrapping up this whole concept. Yeah. Like I say, yeah. So musically. Yeah. And. Um... Yeah, that that transition from she's a rejector. They he holds those, I guess, like organs or like some synths, and then it kind of seamlessly transitions into that bass line. Which the phrasing on it is really weird. So I feel like the the ending cadence you need to kind of wait to to get there. Um, so that I feel like kind of holds me in the in a way i like the line let them say our love is pe peculiar don't care yeah um yeah where he's just sort of you know he's rejected the church he's rejected maybe his ego and what he's been told and is is just kind of like i'm just gonna do me I, I don't care about anyone else well, and he refers to he referred you are my twin, so it, it definitely felt like he, it was directed directly uh, to his wife, like saying, "Like I'm, I'm good now." Like all of those, some of the the 
the instances he references in the other songs about how he was, you know, freaking out or having trouble and, and being moody or whatever the case is like saying, I'm good. You know, like I'm, I'm good. We're good. I know who I am. Uh, and yep. everything's going to, every, everything's going to be okay, baby. There you go. Yeah. I, I feel that. All right. So let's get scores for this final song. Uh, this is my two Wayne. Five. And Danny. Five as well. All right. And this is the point where I say, did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? Uh, you know what? I'm going to have to say we probably did because there's a lot of stuff in here in in this whole thing. Yeah, I feel <laughs> I agree. I feel like we could like write a doctoral dissertation on yeah, this album. We get a, get a thesis, <laughs> get a PhD in uh, Kevin Barnes. It's <laughs> Yeah. So it's been a while since you and I have said um, we probably missed something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this one's just, it's very dense. There's lots of things going on in there. I mean, just some of the words that he uses in the in the titles reference such great things. And I, and I think when you're also talking about somebody's, somebody's psyche, and, and so he clearly got in touch with himself. I mean, he, you know, he's in Norway. And he, you know, I'm sure you've got, you're going to be inside for a great, you know, many months of the year. And he really seemed to, to, to get an understanding of himself and put it in these songs. And I just think going through it, every time I listened to a song and looked at the lyrics and tried, I just would get something more. And then even like listening to you guys go through it, I got even more that, uh, that I didn't get when I uh, listened to it. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. It's one of those records I've been able to go back to for so many years and um, every, every single listen, I feel like I discover something new. So that's, that to me is what makes a, a great album. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, let's go through scores and check out what our top five is. Um, any guesses on number one? No. We were all over the place. We were all over the place. Yeah, we were all over the place. <laughs> uh, Past is a Grotesque Animal got a average score of 10.66. That's our top song, just barely over. Oh, man, I got to say this again. Um, Heim, Heimdall's Gate, Like a Promethean Curse, was, was our second with an average score of 10. We had a tie for third, with uh, which is uh, A Sentence of Sorts in Kongsvinger. And Cato uh, as a pun. And then we had a tie for our fifth song, which was Suffer for Fashion with Ron Landick Edit. That had an average score of eight. So um, Danny Wayne, um, re- Wayne tanked She's a Rejector for us with <laughs> one score. <laughs> Lo- ah. Lovely. So I guess Lovely. we can call him the Rejector. Yes, I'm the rejector. So. Wayne is the rejector. Danny, you this still is have soul power, though, Wayne. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, Danny, I, this I was a lot it. of fun. Oh, absolutely. yeah, this was, this great. was great. Thanks. Yeah, thanks so much, you guys. I'd love to do this again, and um, I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. So, remind our listeners awesome. where they can find all the happenings of Model Child. Um, yes, I am all over your phone wherever wherever you click i am there at least starting on my instagram page i recommend starting there and then okay. exploring 
Perfect. All right. But yeah, my 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 new album is out on all streaming platforms, so you can check it out there. Absolutely. All right. So last question, we lift this from a fellow podcaster who asks, who do you know that I don't know who should join us on this podcast to revisit one of their favorite records like you just did? Um, there's this really dope band in LA called Ill Peach that I feel like would like give some cool schooling on one of their favorite records. So uh, you should talk to them. Okay. All right. I don't know them. Wayne, do you know O Peach? I not yet. All right. We will we will definitely do that. Cool. You will soon. Absolutely. Yes, I will. So as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes by going to recordsrevisitpodcast.com. Of course, we're all over the socials as well. We're all over your phone. Um, go to Twitter at Podcast Records. I also man the Facebook page. Wayne has the Instagram page. What is it? Records Revisited Podcast. Super easy. You can find us on all the major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, CastBox, iHeartMedia, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and of course, um, wherever you find those fine podcasts like ours, go subscribe and rate or review us. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. I would tell you to go to a live show, but you know the drill on that right now. So go support your favorites on any of their live events that they're doing online. Um, definitely go buy a t-shirt of the band, buy a record, maybe one that's called Dropout. And uh, we are Records Revisited, and we are out. Out.